I'm doing a slightly different video today. I've not done one of these before, but I'm going to break down somebody else's mock draft. If you like this kind of content, let me know in the comments section, like the video, and I'll consider doing a few more of these as the draft season goes along. So the mock draft that I'm going to be breaking down today is Jordan Reeds, which is the latest one that was posted on ESPN.com. Um, so let's go through it. It's a first round mock draft. And uh, let's go through the picks. I'm going to give some thoughts on each of the picks, the fit, the player, whether I think it's a good pick, a bad pick, whether I think a player is underrated, overrated. And I'm going to go through it, picks 1 to 31, because the Miami Dolphins have forfeited their first round pick. So let's start with the Texans at number one, obviously a very popular pick. And we see it again here, Bryce Young first overall. And the mainstream media has settled on Bryce Young being the top pick. I would just pump the brakes on that. I don't think it's as clear cut as the mainstream media is making out. Bryce Young is a naturally gifted player, very talented player, and has had a great career at Alabama. But the fact is he's five foot ten and about 185 to 190 pounds. And there just aren't quarterbacks like that in the NFL. And although he does a lot of good things, you know, his decision making is pretty good. His processing is good. He can throw well over the middle when he can see those passing lanes. He's very good at that, surprisingly good at that, given his height. He has an okay arm. He doesn't have a strong arm, but it, it's not a terribly weak arm. I think it's a slightly stronger arm than, say, uh, Tua Tungavailoa, who went in the top 10. Um, and he's mobile, very creative. And he dragged Alabama kicking and screaming in some games uh, this season to make them competitive. So really good player, not disputing that whatsoever. I, you know, it, it's just the, the size, the height. And there are prototype quarterbacks in this draft who are big, strong, athletic, who also have a lot of positives to their to their game on a technical level. And for that reason, I just think if you are the Houston Texans and you are going to take a quarterback, you're probably more likely to go for that prototype style player than Bryce Young. I still think Bryce Young will find a home in the top 10. I'm just not convinced he's going to be the number one overall pick. And the other thing you've got to consider here is, you know, we, we've all said, oh, well, you know, the league views smaller quarterbacks differently these days. And that is true. But in 2022, we've seen Tuatunga Vailoa have injuries and concussions and all sorts of issues with that. We've seen Russell Wilson struggle uh, since his escapability uh, has, has kind of lessened as, as a factor. And we've seen Kyler Murray have all sorts of issues and pick up an injury as well. So it's it's not really, you know, this is a copycat league. It's not really the time when you'd expect a team to go, hey, we've got the number one overall pick and everything's telling us to go and get Bryce Young. So I'm not sure that this is going to happen. I think another quarterback, if they go quarterback, will go here. But this mock draft has got Bryce Young at number one overall. Chicago Bears at number two, Jalen Carter. I think the Bears are angling to trade down. I think that the reason that they've essentially sat and benched just in fields for this final game of the season is because they 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 want to tank. They want to give themselves the best chance to get the number one overall pick. The Texans are playing the Colts, who are hopeless. There's a chance that the Texans will win that game, and I think the Bears want to control the draft. They want at least the option to, to have teams calling them for the top quarterback. I think they want that. I think they want that more than just taking the defender here, and I think they're going to want to see those offers. Now, they may still get those offers for the second-best quarterback on the board. We've seen that in the past, you know, where we had the Rams trading up for Jared Goff, and then we had the Eagles trading up to number two for Carson Wentz. And we've seen, you know, Trey Lance, the Niners spent a fortune to go up to number three to get him. So we could easily see the Jets moved up to number two to get Sam Darnold back in 2018. So we could see a team move up to number two and give them a haul. I think that's what they're going to be looking for. If they stay at number two, of course, 
the it's obvious that they're going to go with a defensive player. Jalen Carter still makes some sense here. He's a very talented player, but there are people out there comparing him to Aaron Donald, which is just not accurate. He, he's not an Aaron Donald type player. He's not that sort of quick twitch, smaller, shorter defensive tackle like Aaron Donald with massive college production. He's more of a bull in a china shop. He is great get off, um, power um, on contact. He just sort of plows through those blocks, gets guards and, and centers off balance with that get off and then attacks with violence, bursts his way into the backfield. You know, very, very good player, more of a Jeffrey Simmons type than an Aaron Donald type for me. Um, but when you see him absolutely exhausted, because he had a decent amount of snaps in the biggest game of the season against Ohio State. That's a, a flag for me a little bit. How good is his conditioning? We've had Tom McShay reporting that there are some character concerns there. You can't just blow them off and ignore them because you like the idea of a defensive tackle who's who's had a decent season for uh, Georgia. And I've written about this on the blog. You know, there are certain things about him that, you know, in terms of his production, in terms of the way he's been spelled, that you just, he's a complex player to work out. He's no sure thing. Very, very talented, though. There's no getting away from that. He's got the talent to go first overall, frankly, but there are lots of different question marks with Jalen Carter that need to be answered before the draft in April. So the Seahawks on the board at number three, uh, and they take Will Anderson. And, you know, if the Seahawks take Will Anderson, they clearly think that he is an unbelievable player who they they just have to take and and I think that's that's the way they're going to have to they're going to have to review this the first priority for the Seahawks has to be are any of the quarterbacks and only one's going off the board here with Bryce Young so when I say are any of the quarterbacks in this scenario I mean is CJ Stroud a long-term franchise quarterback is Will Levis is Anthony Richardson that's the first question they have to answer because as good as Geno Smith has played this season he is 33 in October and sort of having Geno Smith, you've got Geno Smith. He's not the kind of player that you're going to, he's not going to play for a decade. You know, you have to think about the long term. You're not going to have a number three overall pick again without trading right up into the board. I mean, hopefully they're not. Hopefully they're never going to be bad enough to be in this position again. This is like a once in a generation pick for the Seahawks. And if you believe any of these quarterbacks can lead your franchise the next 10 or 15 years, you are duty bound to draft them if you think they're good enough. So that's the first thing. Before you even think about any of these defensive players, you have to ask yourself, is CJ Stroud, Will Levis, or Anthony Richardson a franchise quarterback? Now, a lot of people out there have made up their mind on those three players, or at least two of those players, and haven't done anywhere near as much tape review as I have. I've watched every single game they've ever played. And I can tell you that they are three very, very talented players with immense upside. And I think they warrant serious consideration at number three overall. Um, but the Seahawks, if they don't feel that way and they think that Will Anderson is going to be that game-wrecking edge player, then there'll be no complaints to me. And I think as long as, as long as I feel like John Schneider has made this pick, I'm happy with that. Because John Schneider, I think he's going to look at this and, be, and, and have this mindset. I think he is going to analyse the quarterbacks. And if he likes a quarterback, I think he's got enough of a track record, obviously having drafted Russell Wilson, having reportedly had a lot of interest in Mahomes and Allen. I think you, you trust him if he passes on the quarterbacks or if he takes a quarterback that he's got the decision right. And if ultimately he, Schneider, rather than Carroll, has taken Will Anderson instead, then I think we sort of accept that he just didn't like the quarterbacks and that he sees something really special in Will Anderson. 
What is Will Anderson? He's a £243 edge, extremely aggressive and active and quick. A lot of things to like. Um, there are, I think he's very scheme dependent. I think that his his sort of ceiling is Khalil Mack. I, I, I don't think he's, he's not a Nick Bosa or a Miles Garrett or a Joey Bosa because he's £25 lighter than they are. But if you sort of accept that he's more of that 245, 250-pound edge, um, then then you can sort of get on board with with what he brings. And look, he had a very good 2021 season. His 2022 season was a bit underwhelming for me, but there's a lot to work with there, a lot of potential, a very, very good player. But again, it's going to come down to, first of all, are the quarterbacks good enough? And if not, you've got Will Anderson. And that's the pick here in this mock draft. Um, Tyree Wilson, you've got to love his size and his length. I just don't think he's twitchy enough. I'm not convinced on the twitch and the consistency in his performance to justify going fourth overall. And if the Seahawks end up in this spot or in the fifth overall pick, depending on what happens this weekend, I'll be a bit disappointed if they come out of this Wilson trade with Charles Cross and Tyree Wilson, frankly. That, that to me, will not be the kind of impact that I, that I would have hoped for having had two top 10 picks out of this trade. So I can see why teams might take him here. If if Carter and Anderson's off the board and they view him as the next best player on defence, I can see it. You, like I say, you got, can't complain about his size. You can't complain about his length. I just think that twitch and that ability to play with consistency. He's got some good games and he's got some anonymous games on tape. I'm, I'm not sure he's a number four overall pick for me, but a lot of people are putting him in that range. CJ Stroud, I think he's a, I just think he's a, a, a terrific player. I think that I've, I've been sort of back and forth on him. People know that I've had criticisms of CJ Stroud in the past and I've retained some of those throughout the season. I've been quite consistent with that. I just wanted to see him play off script and without outside of the framework of the Ohio State offense. I wanted to see him playing in a way that is is not confined to we're telling you on the sideline to do this, do it, because that's where some of his mistakes have come. You know, I've talked about it. He and Michael Penix Jr. and Hendon Hooker all threw almost an identical interception during the season where they had to look off the safety, come back, almost throw blind back over the middle. And, and, and each occasion, it was uncanny. There was like a triangle of defenders right where they were throwing the ball to. Because if you, once you've ID'd that he's going to do that, it's quite easy to read it as a defence. And that's the problem. It's so robotic and, and, and mechanical that this is what you have to do because we've told you to do it at the sideline. I really wish that Ohio State had just said, look, you run the offence. And part of me wonders a little bit whether they'll get CJ Stroud to come back next year with the promise of you can run the offence like, like you seem to do against Georgia. You can be creative. You can be yourself. You can do all of those things. We're not going to restrict you as much as we have done and you go and try and win the Heisman and, and the national championship and if you do that I could see him maybe even going back but I think he's a, the, what he showed against Georgia is that he can get out the pocket, he can extend plays he can be extremely creative on his own outside of the system he's very athletic I think he's got a really good arm I've, I've heard people saying he's got a, an okay arm I even heard somebody say on PFF recently that he had a a weaker arm than Bryce Young, which to me is just absolute nonsense. He throws the prettiest passes, the prettiest passes that, you know, to all levels. Some of his passes drops it into a bucket 30, 40 yards downfield. I mean, he's, he's such a talented throw of a football. And if the Colts get him at number five, I think it's an absolute steal. Right now, I think the top two will be CJ Stroud and, and Will Levis.
um, assuming Stroud declares. I think they'll be the top two because someone will trade uh, into the Bears spot. And I think they're going to be the top two. So getting them at five is a good one. Okay, my first big issue with this mock comes here. Number six, Brian Brissy. I, I just don't know how you how you justify that. Uh, Brian Brissy had a knee injury, missed most of the 2021 season this year. Very sad circumstances where his, his, his younger sister passed away uh, because of cancer. He also had, I think, a kidney infection and he had strep throat. So he missed a lot of time. So first and foremost, you haven't seen enough of him on the field. When he came back in, in, in the 2022 season, he was spelled a lot, did not play a lot of snaps. He's, he plays in flashes. Like he's clearly a very good athlete. Like in the bowl game, he was playing off the edge uh, a lot more than, than he did in the season. Where he, he played inside. And you can see that he's, he's very quick, very athletic, and he can cause you problems, but he just plays in flashes. Are we about the arm length? Are we about his ability to get off blocks? Double teams, no chance. You know, if he, if he sort of shoots a gap and he gets in there quick, he can be very disruptive, but it's so hit and miss. There's something there as an athletic profile, but he's a million miles away from sort of feeling really, oh, you've got to take this guy sixth overall. And he'll go and test well at the combine, I've no doubt. I, I just think this is just way too rich for a player who is who is all potential and not in any way, shape or form really proven. And, and you know, if you bring him in, can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field for you in that regard? Can he become a more rounded, consistent player? What is he? You know, is he, is he a, a defensive tackle? Can he stay there? Is he? I, I worry a little bit. That he's just a specialist interior guy who comes in on third down and maybe gives you a bit of a flourish. I'm not sure that he's an every down defensive tackle. So I just cannot, I can't just, I could not justify putting him at number six in a mock draft. Will Levis to the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to really like Bryce Young. I think he's the kind of quarterback that I could see fitting in the Josh McDaniels system. And if I was doing a mock draft, I'd probably have him at number seven, Bryce Young. But Will Levis is going to be a top 10 pick. I, th there has been so much rubbish said and written about Will Levis over the last few months. It's as if people are incapable of looking beyond a stat sheet or, oh, I've watched that game and he had an interception. I, I've put the stats on silkstraplog.com like loads of times that the guy was sacked like 40 odd times in 2022. Like Michael Penix was like sacked seven times in the season. Seven versus like 42 or whatever it is. That's the difference. Like he played behind a terrible offensive line with no weapons for a really struggling offensive coordinator in a pro style system not one of these spread open systems like you have at washington and tennessee and ohio state there's none of that it's it's a pro offense a much more complex offense demands a lot more of the quarterback and you play around a crap o-line and you've got no one to throw to and you're running back missed a, a bunch of games as well and you, by the way you're playing for kentucky where you haven't got your loaded five-star recruits and you're, and you're in the sec and people are surprised that his numbers are not as good as uh, cj stroud and and Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker and Michael Penix Jr. I mean, come on. I mean, like, how hard is it to actually sort of accept the situation at, at Kentucky? Here's what Will Levis is. Incredibly intelligent person. I've interviewed him. I know what he's like. Great guy. He's, he's going to be a leader for you. Amazing athlete. Not a good athlete, an amazing athlete. A fantastic athlete. A, a, an athlete that is going to be comparable to the big-time physical athletes that we're seeing in the NFL play quarterback in a minute. Great arm. Good mechanics. 
can make all the throws, can extend with his legs, um, can do anything that you need him to do. Are there little things that he needs to iron out? Yes. There are little occasions where he's been leaning back ever so slightly as he throws, especially under pressure, sailed some passes, and that's led to a couple of interceptions. Too many red zone interceptions, something needs to work on. These are fixable things. These are not massive problems for me. I think that coaches are going to love the idea of working with Will Levis, trying to mould him into a franchise quarterback. I think he's a really good player. He will go in the top 10. And I'd be suspicious of anybody just hammering Will Levis and, and criticising and complaining because they're just, they're just box score scouting, frankly. Um, number eight, Atlanta Falcons, Miles Murphy. Again, a, a player that I'm, I'm very suspicious of. Great athlete, good size. You know, it says here in the article, 6'5", 275. Where's the production? It's a pussycat in the running game. Got blasted off the edge against Notre Dame. Um, I think he had something like six and a half sacks this year, despite playing on a loaded defensive line for Clemson. In, in, in most of their games, they were the better team. No production. Do not see him play with any aggression. To me, he looks like a player who's always been a great athlete and has got by. I wonder a little bit about his conditioning again. I wonder a little bit about his his intensity and his want to. You know, when he gets to the next level and just being a great athlete, it's not enough. Is he going to sort of go that extra mile to to make it happen? I'm a bit I'm a bit dubious about that. He will get by to a certain extent with his athleticism and and will be somewhat of a good player because he is a really good athlete. But you know, to get to the next level to be a fantastic player, which is what you want number eight overall. I just I just don't see it with Miles Murphy. And I think he's going to be a risky pick. Great athlete. Someone will take him for upside. But I do think there's a risk factor there. Anthony Richardson. Love seeing the mock drafts that put Anthony Richardson in the top 10. Because, again, there's a there's another player like Will Levis. There's a lot of nonsense talked about. It's just a narrative was established early in the season when he had the great game against Utah, but then struggled for a few games. That he's too raw. He's no, not ready. He's not good enough. He's awful. He's rubbish. Why is he um, declared for the draft? And it's all nonsense. You know, you, if you actually truly sit and watch Florida's tape, and, I've, and again, I've watched every game he's played, you can see him do things that just most college quarterbacks don't do. You know, making checks at the line, making adjustments, sorting protection out, um, dropping back in, in a proper pro-style way, making throws on time, play action, bootleg stuff. Um, and then you've sort of combined that with this unbelievable physical profile whereby he could throw it downfield 65 yards on a dime for a massive touchdown. And then the next drive, he could come back and run for 80 yards on a touchdown run. You know, he combines aspects of Josh Allen with aspects of Lamar Jackson. He is a player with the potential to be a superstar. Is he the finished product? No. But I, I think people, and maybe this is where the benefit... You know, I have, and I don't have all the answers, but maybe this is the benefit that I have of having done this draft blog for 2008 because I remember what I was saying about certain players, you know, 10 years ago. And I think people come into this situation now, the game's changed so much. Like the quarterbacks in the NFL don't throw as many interceptions as they used to, and they throw a lot more touchdowns. So when we see some, I call it that 40 touchdowns and six interceptions, we kind of think that's the norm. And then when you look at, Anthony Richardson and his numbers like, oh, he's got quite a lot of interceptions there, hasn't got as many passing touchdowns. You make a judgment on him. But if you actually go back and look at how many interceptions that Andrew Luck had or Patrick Mahomes had or Josh Allen had, you know, these players made mistakes. Justin Herbert made a lot of mistakes at Oregon. 
had some bad interceptions, some bad plays. You know, they made mistakes because they're young quarterbacks who are learning their trade, who are not getting pro coaching. They're not doing this full time as a job. They're in college. Anthony Richardson's basically played about 15 games in his career. Like, this is it. You know, he's, he's not the finished article. But this idea that he's like this really bad, raw quarterback who has no business being in the draft is just not true. And I think if you get him in and you give him a year and you let him develop, then you could be the sky's limit for this guy. Good character. I think he's going to be able to lead a team. I think he's got everything that you need in the quarterback. I think he's such a good player. And listen, if the Seahawks took him, number three overall, the world and the internet will go absolutely crazy. I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't care less. I think it'd be, I'd, I'd be completely fine with it. No issue whatsoever. And, and sometimes you've just got to accept that you were not drafting the finished product all the time, especially at quarterback. Sometimes you've got to draft someone and develop them. Not everyone's going to come in and be Russell Wilson, you know, prepared their life to be a, a starting quarterback. Sometimes it takes time. Josh Allen took two years. Um, Justin Herbert's still trying to lower his interceptions. You know, it, it can take a bit of time. Um, but if you give them that time and you develop them properly, they can be very, very good. Number 10, Tennessee. Peter Skaronski. I, I just I just can't. I just can't get there with Peter Skaronski this early. I'm sorry. The, the length is an issue. He loses a lot off the edge because he loses the leverage battle. I've seen him overpowered by Lucas Van Ness for Iowa, and that was a really scary rep because there's going to be a lot of Lucas Van Nesses at the next level who are better than Lucas Van Ness. Um, he is he's probably going to kick inside to guard. I don't see the explosive traits. I wonder what he's going to test like. And if he is a guy who has to kick inside to guard, and look, there's, there's players who've done that who haven't got great size, length, explosive traits. Zach Martin's a good example at Dallas. But you watch Zach Martin, you felt like you were watching the, the Uber technician. You thought you were watching someone who was born to play offensive line in the NFL. And, and when I watched Skaronski, there, there are things that you like about it, and he's got the bloodlines and everything. His granddad played in the NFL. I, I don't quite see that. For me, this is this is too high. And I think later on in the first round as a guard, maybe justifiable probably more likely for me a second day pick could go in the first if people sort of believe in the t in sort of maybe some of the, the things that you see with him and, and that they get caught up on the bloodlines and the fact that you know he's got a good pff grade and stuff like that maybe he, he goes there if you're a team desperate for o-line but i i just can't for me top 10 pick is, is too much and on a similar vein for jared verse you could watch clips of Jared Verse and think, wow, this guy is going to be like the 11th overall pick. But I, I just think I wonder about his size. I wonder about his actual upside and, and his ability to test. You know, what is his testing going to be like? His flashes are very, very good. But how big is he? Doesn't look like the biggest guy. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. We see a lot of Florida State defensive ends go into the NFL. Some are great. Some are not so great. I'm going to reserve a complete profile review on him until I've seen him test. I think he's a player that testing is going to be so important for. Quentin Johnson at number 12. If the Texans go quarterback, they, they do need a, another target. I'd go Michael Mayer here. If, I, if I'd go Michael Mayer to Tennessee at number 10 and, and forget about it, I'm going to I'll get on to Michael Mayer because he's far too low in this mod trap. The reason why Quentin Johnson could go 12th overall is because of his size and his speed. He's going to have an amazing combine. He's got a massive profile. For me, he's kind of like a Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, poor man's Larry Fitzgerald. But the, but the poor man's aspect of it is, is the important thing. There are too many drops. Um, yeah, some massive play, big play, didn't he, against Michigan and a bit of a busted coverage. I think he slipped over or something. He had a big run. And he's got that in his locker, but you don't see him dominate quite as much as you, as you would have hoped. But he's got everything physically. 
in the number one receiver. So there's every chance that if he if he goes to the combine and he does test well that he goes this early, I think based on his tape, he's more 20 to 35. But I could see him going 12 in this draft class because there aren't many alternatives and receivers have become a premium position. Uh, Jets have got Paris Johnson Jr. Again, another pick I just can't get behind. For me, I, I don't understand it with Paris Johnson Jr. I don't know why he's been graded as high as this on so many mock drafts. Uh, Joe Douglas, the GM, loves explosive offensive linemen. I'm not sure that Paris Johnson Jr. is going to test that well to, to be a, an explosive offensive lineman. For me, he's a second day pick, Paris Johnson Jr. I, I've, I've not, I've just never watched him and thought anything, but eh, he's okay. You know, not excited about him. I'm much more excited about Dewan uh, Jones, who is the the right tackle uh, for Ohio State. I think there's a, there's a guy you can get behind taking this early. Frankly, I think he's I think he's really good. You know, six foot eight, three hundred fifty pounds, enormous, light on his feet, so exciting to watch. There's a player that I could get behind in this kind of range. Um, not Paris Johnson Jr. though. Joey Porter feels like a, an ideal fit for Washington at number 14. I could, this seems like a match made in heaven, unless they move up for a quarterback. Um, nothing like his dad. in terms. Of, if you listen to his interviews, nothing like his dad in terms of personality, but good size, good length, very, very competitive, very skilled, obviously got the bloodlines. For me, a terrific player, um, and, and you could make a, a strong case for taking him this early. 15 New England Patriots, another offensive line pick that I just don't like. You know, my favourite offensive lineman, Darnell Wright, the Tennessee right tackle. Dewan Jones, the right tackle at Ohio State. And Cedric Van Pran, uh, the centre at Georgia. And Broderick Jones, for me, has no business being in the number 15 overall pick. He's, he's a 25-year-old, give me a 25-year-old rookie, six foot three, six foot four, you know, guard size, has to kick inside for me. Um, they took Isaiah Winnow, I really liked, to play guard, and then they kind of shifted him to tackle and guard, tackle and guard at, at New England. I don't know why. Why are you going to do that again? You know, go and take Broderick Jones, who's older, not as good for me, and then try and move him inside to guard. You know, the same team. It's the same bloody team that took Isaiah Win. Like I just can't see this at number fifteen overall. Uh, Broderick Jones just seems like an, an okay player to me. Like testing is going to be big again, but he's a player who has to kick inside. I don't think he's a left tackle in the NFL. So I don't think you can take him this early. And, and again, I'm, for me, a, a day two pick. Uh, Trenton Simpson, who is a really trendy pick for Seattle in for their second first round pick. I don't get it. Um, you know, I know I say this a lot. I mean, I, I went through the tape more than I've ever done ever before uh, this year. And I watched every single Clemson game to watch the defense because they've got a lot of defensive talent. Uh, and I wanted to watch them. And Trenton Simpson did not have a good season. He didn't. He had four and a half tackles for a loss and a couple of sacks. That's it. All season. The year before, they used him just as a specialist blitzer. The same way that like Seattle used Jamal Adams in his first year. Fly off the edge, get into the backfield, make plays. And they could afford to do that because they're Clemson. And they played overmatched opponents. They could always have that free runner running into the backfield. And he, and he, he, he made some plays. He made some plays. And last year, they tried to make him a more conventional linebacker, and he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't make any plays. He was anonymous in most games. And I don't get what the fuss is all about, frankly. I know he's going to test brilliantly. I know he's going to be a great athlete. But it's, we're talking 16th overall pick here for a, a linebacker spot. Because, you know, Jordan Brooks has got an injury, but he's presumably going to come back. and. They didn't even draft or sign any competition for Cody Barton. 
So how do you go from having Jordan Brooks in the middle and Cody Barton unchallenged in his role to, okay, now we need to replace Cody Barton with a 16th overall pick. That's, that's to me, for the second linebacker on your team. And if Jordan Brooks can't play, then fine, go and draft a veteran, go and sign a veteran. Go and send a veteran to, to hold the fort till he comes back and then maybe kick it back across from him or send a couple of cheap veterans or whatever. Like you don't have to spend the 16th overall pick on a linebacker, especially one who didn't have a good 2022 season. So Trent is a great athlete. No issues at all, considering we're on day two. Not 16th overall pick. Not for me. I, I don't think you can justify that at all. Yet with these two picks, Will Anderson and Trenton Simpson, you're a lot more athletic up front. I get that. But he did not have a good 2022 season. So I, I can't get behind that. I can't get behind Osiris Torrance. I'm sorry either at guard this early. He is a player who has got a sloppy frame. He's too big. I don't see any, I don't see dominating tape. You know, he, he's okay. He's, he's a decent college football guard who's a pure guard who isn't going to go to the combine and test that well. I think we see players like this every year. I I wouldn't be taking a six. I wouldn't be taking seventeenth overall, a six foot five, three hundred and fifty pound guard. Jalen Carter got into him in a way that I wouldn't want from a seventeenth overall picket guard. So not for me. I've no. I have. I do not have him anywhere near round one, frankly. And uh, good luck to the Steelers if they're taking that early. Uh, another issue that I have with this mark is Bijan Robinson at number eighteen. There will be teams in this draft, promise you now, who have Bijan Robinson as the top player in the entire class. doesn't mean that they'll take him as their top player because he's a running back. But in terms of pure talent grade, there will be teams that have Robinson ahead of Jalen Carter and Will Anderson and the quarterbacks because he's that good. And we have seen too many running backs go earlier than 18th overall to think that Bijan Robinson, who's the best to come out in since Saquon Barkley, is going to last to number 18. It ain't happening. Somebody will take him before 18. I think someone's going to take him in the top 10. And if not, you're, you're talking 12, 13. And listen, if, if B. John Robinson there is there at number 16, the Seahawks should take him, probably. Because he's that good. Because he's that good. You know, it's just such an exceptionally talented player. He does everything. Catches the ball brilliantly. Can block. Change of direction and acceleration is unbelievable. Runs through contact. Amazing size. He's just a special player. Special player. He, I, he will not last to 18, in my opinion. Neither will Michael Mayer last to number 19. Michael Mayer may not run fast at the combine, but he has everything you need at tight end. Blocking ability, size. He, again, doesn't have the long speed, but what he has is this subtle separation whereby he'd be covered by a cornerback or a slot corner. And right when the ball's being delivered, it just has that ability to separate and just create that bit of space when it's needed to be made to provide an open target. I think, as it, it, we've always said, the thing that for tight ends is not so much that four. I mean, think about how many tight ends are in like a 4 5 or a 4 4, whatever. And we get all, go all crazy about it. And it doesn't mean, it, it doesn't mean anything at the next level because they're, they're no good. You know, how many tight ends flame out like that? You know, did Rob Gronkowski run a 4 4 0? No. Like what you need is a player who can do a bit of everything, but then knows how to get open. That's Michael Mayer. Knows how to get open. Agility testing is the most important thing. Three cone, short shuttle. And when I see his ability to have create that subtle separation as well as he does, I think he's going to do brilliantly in the agility testing. Michael Mayer, for me, should go 10th overall to Tennessee, 
or 12th overall to Houston at the latest. He is a special player, one of the best players in this draft. And I don't see he or Bijan Robinson lasting for the late teens. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Keely Ringo. You know, I'm, I'm glad to see Keely Ringo not in the top 10 because anytime I see Keely Ringo in a, in a mock draft in the top 10, I, I click off it straight away because there's no doubt that he's got the size and the athleticism, but he gets beat far too much. He gets beat too often downfield. Now, you see some great moments as well against Tennessee when he was lining up um, on the outside. And you think, what a matchup this is going to be because he's going to be against Cedric Tillman, two big, fast, athletic players coming up against each other. And he ran the route for him, picked him off in, in the end zone. It was a brilliant interception. That's what he's capable of. That's why he's going to go in round one with the athleticism and the size. But you cannot get beat off, as deep often as he is. And he can't. He gets beat too often in the inside slants. I mean, he's a bit stiff and a bit too big. And I just think that he needs a lot of work with a good defensive back coach to make the most of it. And you can have all the size and the speed in the world. If you get beat as often as he does, you can't take that cornerback in the, in the top 10. So I, I think he's more likely that sort of back half of the first round. I think he's probably more likely to go later than this uh, as a project. It's a, it's a very important position. So people will take cornerbacks earlier than others. But I don't see him going any earlier than, than 20th overall. So good to see him a bit later on, but I think he might go a bit later than this. I actually think Christian Gonzalez will go a bit earlier than this. He is not as big, but he's incredibly athletic. Will also do very well at the combine. Incredibly competitive. Um, you know, Jordan Reed says he's a, he's a smooth mover who can mirror and match receivers in man-to-man coverage. And that's it. That, that sums it up perfectly. That's what he is. Very intelligent player. And I think he's going to go much higher than 21st overall. I think he'll go between 10 and 20. Jordan Addison at, at the uh, at the Giants, the 20 to 22 USC receiver. I've, I just, I can't get excited about Jordan Addison. He's, he's not quick enough for me for a player his size. He's someone I think is going to like run a 4-4-5. He doesn't really have that massive separation, even on downfield shots. He's had the benefit of playing with Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh in a wide open offense. Then he goes and plays with the Heisman winner at USC for Lincoln Riley. He's obviously had it very good. I, I just personally don't think he's that exciting. Hasn't got amazing speed, hasn't got amazing size. I, I personally could see him going in a range like this because receiver's an important position. I just personally wouldn't want to take him in that kind of range. Jackson Smith and Jigba to uh, the Ravens at 23. Um, very talented player. Obviously, had an amazing Rose Bowl a year ago, but lacks speed. And I think that sort of short area quickness is lacking. The acceleration is lacking. That's an issue at the next level. And also, he's missed most of 2022 with a nagging hamstring injury. And he's kind of had his eye on the NFL all the way. So I'm not sure how early he's going to go. I could see him dropping into round two because of that. How he tests, if he does indeed try and test, given his all of his injury concerns, is going to be massive for Smith and Jigba. And it won't be surprised me if he doesn't run a 40 at the combine. Let me just put that out there now. Jalen Hyatt, hopefully, will because he's going to run a blazing one. I think he will go higher than, than all of these, like the Smith and Jigmas and the Addisons, people like that, because he is so quick. And he's got that, he's got that extra gear, that sixth gear running downfield to separate the last minute on those downfield shots. And that's what makes him such a talented player. He's got decent size. He's quite wiry. 
But I, I don't think that matters too much. I think it's been an amazing fit for him at the charge with Justin Herbert, that arm with Hyatt's downfield ability. I think it'd be great. I think the key for, for Hyatt is kind of be more than just sort of that X factor downfield. You know, can he get the nuance right on the shorter routes as well? Can he put on a bit of size, be a bit stronger? Because he's going to get beaten up a little bit at the, in the NFL level. But in terms of, you know, if you need someone to run a go route and then you throw it downfield and you maybe overthrow it a little bit and he just sort of burns off that defender at the last minute to make a big play, that's what he does so, so well. Cam Smith at Minnesota, good fit, good match. Like him, length, competitive, plays the ball. I like Cam Smith. I, he's, he's the kind of player that I like not enough for the, to want the Seahawks to draft him, but I like him enough to sort of say, yeah, you know, 25th overall, it's a fair fair pick. Lucas Van Ness looks like he should be starring in a Marvel film. He's, he looks, he's, he's, just, he's almost too good looking to be an NFL player. It bothers me actually a little bit that he's as good looking as he is. You know, you almost kind of want to see a, a, a defensive end from Iowa look a bit rough and ready. And, and he doesn't. He looks like an Adonis in terms of his body and his face. Um, so, yep, there's a film in, there's a career in film for him when he's finished playing football. Uh, wasn't a full-time player at Iowa and kind of mixed between interior and outside. And, you know, you, I kind of wonder a little bit how he fits. And, you know, they've got Sam Hubbard. So I don't, I don't see this as a fit for the Bengals at all. You know, they've got to continue drafting offensive line. You know, Dewan Jones still on the board here for me. Slam dunk for Cincinnati Bengals to take him. Um, I don't think they need Lucas Van Ness. I think he may well go in the late first if he tests well. And there are aspects I like to his game. Um, but he's a bit, like I say, just a bit undercooked as a prospect. Um, so let's see how he tests. Darnell Wright at Tennessee is one of the most underrated players in the draft. Uh, shut down Will Anderson for Tennessee. Absolutely smooth as silk. I've been banging the drum for him as a top 20 pick for weeks, if not months. Fantastic player. Watch him at the Senior Bowl. If Seattle needed a right tackle, I'd be all in on that. And frankly, if they traded down a bit from wherever they're going to end up, if it is somewhere like 16th overall, because they're not, you know, I, I think Green Bay are going to win this weekend. It's not going to be in the playoffs. So I don't know where they're going to end up. Probably sort of like 17th, 18th, something like that. If they end up there and he's still there, I'd even be tempted to take him and play him at right guard. I know it's not, his, you know, kicking him inside might be a bit of a waste, but he's just that good. Just so good. Uh, Devin Witherspoon at cornerback for Dallas at 28 makes a lot of sense. Very good player, um, violent hitter at times. Um, maybe not going to test as well as some of these other cornerbacks, but a very good player. 29 Buffalo, Brian Branch. If, if I was going to do a mock draft right now, I'd have Brian Branch probably 10th overall. Where's, where were where the Eagles pick from the Saints? They were picking 11th and took Jared Verse. I'd have Brian Branch there. At number 11 overall. That's probably where I'd put him. That, 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 he just warrants it for the season that he's had. He's going to test well. He's a Rolls-Royce. The game in the Sugar Bowl against Kansas State kind of underlined what he can do as a tackler, as a blitzer, in coverage. He's just a very modern-day player. And, you know, I think you've, you've got to be versatile with him, which I think Buffalo would be. He's going to play a bit in the nickel. He's going to play a bit of free safety. He's going to play a bit of cornerback. Um, He's a chess piece and he can hit. I've seen him hit as well. So I just think he's a class act. And I don't think 29th is, there's no way he's going to last the 29th overall. I say I'll have him in the top 12 when I do my next mock draft next week. BJ Ojolari, obviously his brother's in the NFL. I was a big fan of his, Aziz. And I like BJ as well. Praying Mantis body, bends the arc very well, bends the strengths of the quarterback very, very well. Um, 
like the way he drops. You know, if you, if you want to take him as a three, four outside linebacker, he drops, he drops very well. War number 18 at LSU, which is like the big thing from a character point of view. They always give that to the best character guy on the team. The other thing is, he's just, he, he's not very strong and he's not, he, he looks light. He's, he's not got much stand in his pants. So if you are taking a player like that, you've, you've got to accept that he's got to get stronger. And uh, we see a lot of these LSU sort of outside linebacker types. You know, I was never a, Caleb on Chason was like, hey, oh, he's amazing players. And I never bought into any of that. Never bought into any of that. And I think Ojolari is a better player than he is, but he, he may have some of the same growing pains. So scheme dependent, probably better in a system like the Ravens where he can get after it a little bit more or, or the Giants. You know, you could see him there maybe joining his brother. I think his brother's at the Giants, isn't he? You know, and playing in that sort of system under Wink Martindale off the edge. Um, that's that's kind of a system that would suit him, not so much as a as a DE for the Chiefs, but um, but we'll see. I think that's that he, he's probably going to be a top forty five pick. Clark Phillips at Utah, you know I I can appreciate what he is, six interceptions, competitive, but I, for me I I don't have him anywhere near as high as the first as the first round, and that's the last pick because of course Miami's have forfeited their pick, so they don't have one. So there we go. Um, that's that's my breakdown um, of Jordan Reed's mock draft. Let me know what you think in the comments section. Uh, let me know what you think about your favourite players, what, what you agree, disagree with Jordan Reed's mock draft. I am going to do my own mock draft next week when the season's finished. So I wanted to get the college football playoff final out of the way because it's another chance to watch Georgia and another chance to watch Quentin Johnson, people like that. Uh, then... I want to see how the NFL season finishes, get a proper draft order for the top, what is it, 18 picks uh, so that we've got a, a better idea of, you know, exactly. Instead of projecting that, hey, this is going to get this guy, we'll, get, we'll actually know, you know, are they going to be third, fourth or fifth in this draft or even second? You know, who, who knows? Where, where are they going to end up? And then it's going to be easier or harder to project because if they stay at number three, then it's okay. They're definitely going to get either Anderson Carter or the number one quarterback. If you're third overall, you are guaranteed at least one of those players. And if it's fourth, you know, you add a second quarterback and, and the other three, and then it's fifth, it's, you know, it's three quarterbacks. And, and that's how I would view it. That's how I view this draft. I would not be thinking about Tyree Wilson in the top five or Miles Murphy or anything like that. I, you know, I, I'd be thinking if, you, if you're in the top five, which they are going to be, you've got, you've essentially got three quarterbacks and two defenders to pick from. That's, that's what it comes down to for me. Anyway, let me know what you think. Silkshaftblog.com for more analysis. Join us after the Rams game when we'll do our live reaction and give us our thought, give our thoughts on the final regular season game uh, of the season. And um, make sure you subscribe, make sure you like the video. And if you like this kind of content, me breaking down other people's mock drafts, let me know in the comments section. I will do more of those. Until next time, Happy New Year, everybody. I'll see you soon. Bye for now.